Um, first of all, I'm actually just getting through a crazy season. I uh, just finished up um, kind of co-leading VBS with my wife, who pretty much did all the work, but I was there. And then from there, transitioned straight, literally two days later, into Forest Home. I took um, 20-ish of our youth up there, and I had 14 boys just to myself. And straight from that, I went into a whole week of being sick. So that was fun. So I'm, I'm actually still recovering from all of that. Um, by God's strength, I'm up here with you guys right now. Very excited. I actually am very excited about this message. It's near and dear to my heart. Um, the title is Metamorphosis. If you have your bulletin notes, um, Metamorphosis. And so I just want to um, capture that idea for a second of metamorphosis. It's the physical transformation of a creature. And to me, this has always been one of the most fascinating parts of nature, to see a creature just turn um, from one thing to a completely different thing. And, and for how many of you, okay, I just want to ask you guys, when you hear the word metamorphosis, what do you think of? Which creature do you think of? Butterfly. butterfly. Thank you. That's what I was hoping to hear, because that's exactly what I think of. And so there's something about a butterfly when it transforms from a caterpillar, right? This fat creepy, worm-like creature into this beautiful, glorious, unique masterpiece that's able to flutter and fly freely throughout the sky. There's something so cool about that that I think just captures our hearts. Um, I thought it would be really neat if we all left right now and went outside and found a caterpillar somewhere and just followed it along, watched it form a cocoon, and then just see it bloom into a butterfly. I don't think we have the time for that, though. So instead, we're going to supplement with technology, of course, and watch all of that occur in two minutes or less. How does that sound? Pretty cool? Okay, let's do it.
Oh, come on. That's cool. That's awesome. Do you guys know that about the, the wings? How you saw how they just kind of filled in like that? And that's just within a half an hour. So amazing. Believe it or not, and here's what I want you guys to catch. Believe it or not, that as you and I as Christians, we also go through a metamorphosis, a transformation of our own kind on the inside. And what we are all experiencing as Christians is we're all experiencing the transformation that takes place as we watch the video again. And as we become more and more, here it is, like Jesus, okay? As we become more and more like Christ with his character, with his will, with his heart in us. And we're going to see how that transforms and unfolds today. Um, In fact, what we're going to look at today is not only how that transforms, um, how we transform internally, but also, what is, the, what is the goal of that? Where is that headed towards? Why do we transform in the way that Christ has called us to? And so we're going to see that today. Um, and so um, we're going to be in the book of Galatians. We've been doing a series throughout the summer in Galatians. And um, so you can go ahead and open your Bibles to Galatians 5. Um, that's where we're going to be today. And as we continue through this series, um, we're going to see Paul warning the Galatians, the Christian um, church in Galatia. They're primarily made up of Gentile Christians, so they're from non-Jewish descent. And what that means is that they're not quite fully accustomed to the Jewish law. We're going to see how that unfolds in just a moment, but just kind of to set us up for where we're headed. um, Ultimately, um, there's this idea of freedom that Paul is going to speak of. And this freedom I want to capture is similar to the freedom that we saw um, in the butterfly as he, as he develops and grows and has his wings and is able to take off. And so, um, if you're with me in Galatians 5, we're going to read in just a bit from um, the, the beginning of that chapter. But first, well, let's ask the question, how can we experience a transformation that gives us freedom like we've seen in this butterfly? In other words, what allows our souls to become like Christ? We're going to see here in our first point, and it's our first main point in our bulletin notes, that it is our faith in Christ alone that initiates our inner transformation. Faith in Christ alone initiates our inner transformation. That accepting Christ frees our soul to become like Him. So you can write that in there in your first main point. And we're going to see that here in actually the very first verse of Galatians. So read with me. Starting at verse 1, it says that it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of of slavery. You see, the, the Galatians, uh, Paul is saying, you're free. Um, and, and not just in a free kind of this empirical, like out there kind of a sense. It's free in the sense of internally in you, in your soul. You are now free. You are now unlocked to become like Christ. Why? Because you've accepted him. Because God has gotten a hold of your life and you've accepted Jesus. And now this initiation, this cocoon stage can begin within you where God's doing something inside of you. And it's all because of what he has done in your heart. Now we see that in verse 1. We see that, that Paul says you're free, right? That sounds great. But right after that he says, do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Be burdened again. What is he talking about? We see for the next three verses, Paul talks about this idea of circumcision. Why does he bring circumcision in when he's talking about freedom in Christ and transforming inside? Why this random topic about, well, because circumcision, we've talked about this 
few months ago I preached actually on a very similar topic. I don't like to just talk about circumcision for kicks. Um, it just happens that it always comes up that it's my turn to talk about circumcision. But here we go. So um, circumcision was the process of becoming um, a, a, a Jew in the sense that if you wanted to become a part of the Jewish community in the Old Testament, you'd be circumcised as well as any eight-day-old male um, boy would also be circumcised as kind of a testimony to you're now a part of um, this group. But furthermore... Circumcision did something much bigger than that. It was actually an outward way of saying, I am actually following not just a part of this Jewish community, but I am following the law that comes with this Jewish community. In other words, I've been circumcised, and now I am committing to everything else that comes with um, being a Jew, particularly the law. And this is important because Paul says it's not about the law. It's not about you doing your own works to make this transformation take place. And so he says, in fact, that this idea of circumcision bringing you into the law, he says in verse 3 that, again, I declare that every man who lets himself be circumcised, he is obligated to obey the whole law. In other words, if Paul came to our school today as a dare officer dressed up, he would say that circumcision is a gateway drug to the law, right? Can you understand that? It's that circumcision is basically the thing that's going to open you up to everything else. At the time, it seemed like, oh, no, circumcision, you're just kind of following along with what we've always done as a Jewish community. Um, but Paul knew that there was so much more embedded into that. And in fact, Paul goes right before that, he says in verse 2, that if you, if you give yourself to circumcision and you practice the law, then what he says is, is actually that Christ will be of no value to you at all. So in other words, um, it's one or the other, right? We can either do the law or we can do experience and receive Christ. And so this idea of the law for us today, um, it's this idea that the, the law was temporary. The law provided a purpose. And the law, Paul says, is good. It provided a purpose because sin existed. And we needed something, we needed to do something with sin. We needed to contain sin. The law did that. The law allowed for sin to go somewhere, to be put somewhere, but it was temporary. It was a temporary holding place until Christ came. Once Christ came, Everything changed because at that point, then all our sins are then on him, and he takes them all. The law no longer serves that purpose. Okay, and so, so this idea of law today in our day is very, is very much so still being carried out in our own ways. The law was to, to, to purify, to cleanse, to bring one righteous, that idea of inner transformation we're talking about. We do that in a lot of ways today um, that the world actually offers to us. And a simple way I can think of is self-help books, that that portion of the library that continues to grow and grow, um, that we're always finding ways to to better ourselves, or or just simply searching things on the internet, you know, how-tos and this and that. Anything we can do to better ourselves, um, anything we can do to make ourselves um, good, to make ourselves feel better, to make ourselves grow. There's nothing wrong with growing and learning, right? But when we start to find our self-worth, when we start to find our identity in those things, and the things that we do with our hands versus who we are in the core of us, then we are practicing the law in our own way. We're doing exactly what the Galatians are doing, what Paul was warning them not to do. And so for some of us today, for some of us, we actually just need to be, um, we need to realize that with this idea of transformation within us begins by receiving Jesus. And actually that's what we need to do is receive Jesus. Um, for some of us who've already accepted Jesus, perhaps we just need to be reminded that that's right. It's not about what I do. It's not about the things that I do with my hands um, the things that I learn in my head, it's about, it's about who I am in Christ, and that's where the transformation begins. 
And so that's our first point that we've seen is that faith in Christ alone, it's our faith in Christ that initiates this inner transformation that's taking place within us. It's, it's accepting Christ that frees our soul to become like him. And so then let's move on to our second point. And, and let's lead into it by asking the question that if Christ initiates our transformation, then how does our transformation sustain throughout our lifetime? How do, in other words, how do we continually become like Christ? We'll see here in our second main point that it is actually the Holy Spirit that sustains our ongoing transformation. And that's the point that I'm trying to make note. It's the Holy Spirit that sustains our ongoing transformation. In other words, we continually become like Christ through the transforming work of the Holy Spirit. Verse 5 says, For through the Spirit we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. Paul says that we experience righteousness. This is the, the same idea of we experience this inner transformation, this inner becoming like Christ. We experience this through, through one thing, one person, in fact, the Holy Spirit who is in us. See, Paul's doing something here very specifically, because if you kind of follow the whole, the big, the big um, stroke of this passage, we see, first of all, Paul's saying you're free. Verse 1, you're free. Then we see three verses of circumcision, law. You're not free. And then the fifth verse that says, the Spirit sets you free. You see, here's what was happening, was that the Galatians initially, initially accepted Christ, and they became a Christian, and they were trusting in the Spirit. But they started to, to go down a path of their own, of their own works. We see that actually a few chapters earlier. Um, I'll just read it. You don't have to turn there. But in chapter 3, we see him saying to the Galatians, I would like to learn just one thing from you. This is, this is chapter 3, starting at verse 2. I would like to learn one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Well, then, are you so foolish that after beginning by means of the Spirit that you're now trying to finish by means of the flesh? He uses that word flesh and law almost synonymously. In other words, here's what he's saying. You accepted Christ. You realize that that was something you couldn't have done on your own. It took God to allow you to accept Christ. We can't do that on our own. But at that point, as you trailed off from there, you started doing things on your own. And Paul's saying, no, here it is. Full dependence on the Spirit at all times. He's saying you initially start by depending on the Spirit to receive God, and you continue in your walk, you continue in your transformation by depending on the Spirit. And that's why it says that the Spirit sustains our ongoing transformation. Okay, let's, let's, let's think back to the, the caterpillar that we saw back here. I'm trying to look at it like this. We all start off as caterpillars. Apart from Jesus, we're on our own. Trekking through the dirt, facing the ground, dirty, gross, slimy. That's us. Sorry, but it is. Um, but God sees something in us that's way bigger than we could ever imagine. And in fact, at one point, God gets a hold of all of our lives as we accept Jesus, and he puts us into his own little cocoon. He keeps us safe. He starts this transformation proce process that's initiating in the safe cocoon that he creates for us that eventually opens us up that we, when we come out, we have this beautiful set of wings, and we can look at that as the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit is the one that's sustaining us. The Holy Spirit is the one keeping us up, and ultimately, as Paul says here, keeping us free. Paul says that it is for freedom that Christ has set you free, and we are free. And again, what is that freedom talking about? That freedom is talking about freedom in your inner self, in your, in, your, in your soul, to be able to transform, to be able to grow, to be able to come, become like Jesus. This is cool. In fact, um, it sounds great, but I know that for some of us, for a lot of us, for me, it's hard. 
It is hard to just day after day, just this idea of depending on the Spirit, which what does that really mean to depend on the Spirit each and every day and to keep this transformation of becoming more like Jesus every day? That's hard to do. Sometimes it can be um, really challenging. In fact, there's a video I want to show you that can actually um, give us a picture of how challenging it can be. I'm finished! Finally, I'm a beautiful butterfly! My wings! Oh, they're beautiful! Catch that last part? Where I pray you guys all look like little ants. I love that. Great movie, Bugs Life. Um, sometimes our Christian faith can feel a little more like this than like the first butterfly we saw. You know, our wings don't quite feel big enough. We don't feel like we can quite get ourselves off the ground. We don't quite feel free. We feel a little sluggish. We feel like we're not really transforming, right? Maybe we're actually backsliding like this guy did. Um, but what, what we're going to see is actually that we can depend on the Spirit, and, and we do... Um, we can, ha- we can have this happen. And here's how this works. The truth is that it's the Holy Spirit that's doing the work inside of us. We're not doing the work. So then what is our role? What, what can we do to change ourselves is the question. The answer is absolutely nothing. There's nothing that we can do, you and I can do, to change ourselves. Again, this verse is telling us that it's complete and utter dependence on the Holy Spirit. What do we do? What is our role? I would say that the one thing that we can do each and every day is to say yes to God, is to say yes to the Holy Spirit and to agree with Him in what He is doing. It's so easy, especially in our culture, to feel like we're number one, we're the center of the universe, this kind of egocentric, I am the most important person alive. And oftentimes it feels like that, but the truth is, God is the most important being alive, and he is the one doing work in all of us. And so our role is to open to what he is doing and to say yes to that. How do we do that practically? What does that actually look like? I think the easiest way to start this is actually to find a verse that really um, captures this idea really well for you. In fact, Galatians 5.5 is a great place to start. Um, This idea that through the Spirit, we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. In other words, through the Spirit, we eagerly desire to become more like Christ and His righteousness. See, the truth is, if we were to look over in Philippians, it says that we've already been given the righteousness of Christ. So there's this tension that we have to hold in Scripture. And here it is. It's that we've already been given Christ's righteousness. We already are righteous. Yet at the very same time, we are living into that righteousness, okay? But it's important to note that we're living from that righteousness and not for that righteousness. We've talked about this before in Galatians, that we are living from a place that God's already given us and living that out. And so, so take a verse, whether it's Galatians 5.5, 5, that we're eagerly awaiting through the Spirit our righteousness, or another one, you might want to write this one down. This is one of my favorite verses, 2 Corinthians 3.18. This verse actually captures really well this idea of transforming into Christ's image. Let me read it for you. Um, 2 Corinthians 3.18, it says, And we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into His image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. 
Another way I've heard this verse is that we're being transformed into the image of Christ from glory to glory. It's this idea of slowly and gradually stepping into the image of Christ. That, that is what we are all experiencing as Christians. A lot of times it can seem a lot slower than we want it to. But the truth of the matter is that God is, in the, one, God is the one doing the work inside of us, and we're simply partnering with the work He's already doing. And so make a daily habit of finding, whether it's Galatians 5, 2 Corinthians 3.18, maybe there's another one that you're thinking of that stands out to you that reminds you that, that God is doing a work inside of you and he's growing you. Find whatever verse it is. Write it down on a piece of paper somewhere near your bed, somewhere that when you wake up it's the first thing you see. And just in like a matter of, you know, 30 seconds, it doesn't even have to be a long thing, just find that verse, just read it, and then say, God, here I am. Do with me what you would like. Here I am. I'm open to your work. I'm open to what you are doing. Whatever, whatever words you want to use, I'm open to you, Holy Spirit, inside of me. And just let that be a daily thing for you. It doesn't have to take a lot of time. But that's a great way. to. There's many ways, but there's a great way to um, begin this process of opening to God and allowing the Holy Spirit to sustain your ongoing transformation. And so there we've seen in our first point that faith in Christ alone initiates our inner transformation that accepting Christ frees our soul to become like him. And then we've seen, secondly, that the Holy Spirit is the one who sustains our ongoing transformation, that we continually become like Christ through the transforming work of the Holy Spirit. So lastly, let's, let's look at this. So if our faith initiates right, our transformation, and the Holy Spirit sustains our ongoing transformation, well then what should we hope to see as we become more like Christ. In other words, what is the goal of this inward transformation taking place within us? We'll see here in our third point that the goal of our inner transformation is active love. And that as we become like Jesus inwardly, we express his love outwardly. And we see that here, this idea in verse 6. Galatians 5, verse 6. And it says, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. That the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. See, Paul quickly puts to end the debate about circumcision, circumcision or uncircumcision, whether that's important or not. He says that has no value. Right? Because for a while there, the Galatians, some of those who weren't circumcised, were actually giving a hard time to the Jewish Christians, saying, hey, we're not circumcised. We're totally living by faith. We're better than you in that sense. See, there's no way around it. You can't beat this argument. The only way to trump who's the best in here is to admit that none of us are because Jesus is, and that it's through him that we can experience his love expressed through us. You see, he uses the word love here. If you catch this, Paul uses the word love. That's the, the Greek word agape, and it's, this, it's kind of foundational um, to the Christian um, religion. It's the key operative word in our faith, and it's uh, actually the word that kickstarts his whole list of the fruits of the Spirit. If you haven't noticed, we're in Galatians 5. We're at the first half of the chapter. A few weeks we're going to talk about the second half, which is the fruits of the Spirit. That's where Paul goes into the idea of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control being all of these different areas that the Spirit is desiring to produce in us. This is, we're talking about freedom in Christ. When we talk about him transforming us, this is a great place to start. There are other places in the Bible that talk about God's spirit in us, but this is a great place to start, and it fits because that's the chapter we're in. And so there, you know, I want you to note that when we get to that section, it's called the fruits of the spirit. It's not called the fruits of you and I. It's not called our fruits. It's the fruits of the spirit. Again, it's the spirit that's doing the work. 
We have to understand this if we're going to actually experience the fruit being produced in us because it's the Spirit doing, it's the, Spirit doing the work. And so, this agape love, I want to kind of sit with this for, an, for, for a moment because this is a different kind of love than, than the world knows. In fact, um, at its time, that word agape wasn't even used in any other literature other than the New Testament. So, this is a very specific word for very specific people, Christians. It has since grown, and we, we hear it in other capacities. We definitely hear it in an emotional sense, in a romantic sense of love. Um, but agape is actually, um, it supersedes emotions. Agape is a, is a word that's based on action. It's a, it's a word that says, I'm here for you, selflessly focused and caring for you. Not for me, for you. And this is a very hard hurdle for most of us to get over. But it's, it's others focused. So the question is, are we living out this agape love in our lives? This action type of love. Because, you know, the Bible doesn't just say that God loved us, right? He didn't just say that. He also did something about it. It says that he sent his son to die for us. He acted upon his love for us. And so the question is, are we acting upon our love? The love that we are experiencing that the Holy Spirit is doing within us. Um, because that, again, that's the goal of this, this whole thing. The goal of our inner transformation of what God's doing inside of us through his spirit is our act of love, is our love being expressed. So let's actually take a few um, scenarios from the fruits of the Spirit. Um, because these would be the, actually our targets. These, would be, these are considered Christian virtues, um, different things in our life, different capacities that we can actually grow in, that we are capable of doing through the Spirit. And so the, the first one I'd like to start with is this idea of patience, the virtue of patience, okay? So let's say that before our transformation, before Christ got a hold of our hearts and wasn't working on us, we're driving down Culver, and a car cuts us off, and then we see him cut off 10 other cars, you know, in front of us, our gut reaction is either to yell or honk, or maybe we don't say or do anything, but, you know, in our heads, we have some pretty nasty thoughts towards that person. Um, some thoughts that are maybe less than holy, um, and that's, that's a lack of patience. That's a lack of the virtue of patience. And so the question is, if patience is being developed in your life, if you're sp- experiencing active love through the virtue of patience, what would that situation look like um, if you are experiencing that? And I think it would be something like, as that person cuts you off, maybe there's still the initial, you know, reaction, um, but to take that reaction and say, you know what, God? Um, you've been working on this patience thing in me, and in fact, I'm actually going to um, not yell that person or, or get angry or think some terrible things towards them. I'm actually going to pray for that person because that person is clearly in a hurry. They have something going on. It could be an emergency. It could be a totally valid reason probably not, right? <laughs> um, it could be, but we don't, we don't know. But even if it's not, clearly that person is, is going th- through such stress in life that they, they could use some prayer. And so maybe that's how patience, the virtue of patience, plays out, how it expresses itself outwardly from the core of you of what Jesus is doing inside of you, okay? Um, what about the idea, the virtue of self-control? How could that play out? Well, okay, so I've been to uh, middle school and high school too, and I know how easy it is to find answers to homework assignments or sometimes even quizzes or tests from places that aren't necessarily my own head or my own studying, um, but maybe through friends or through different types of websites or or what have you. Self-control. Before we accept Jesus, self-control isn't really there. We don't really have a reason to say no to this, Um, but maybe when Jesus comes into our life, and maybe when this transformation starts to take place, well then when our friends approach us and, and, and have the answers to the next homework assignment or test or whatever it is, uh, we, say, we say no to them. We just say no. 
And, and, and believe it or not, that is a form of active love. The truth is that Jesus' love doesn't always feel good to the world. It's not always inviting. It's not always comfortable. But it's real. And the truth is that Jesus wants to, to, to use our own minds, our own skills, our own talents, and realize that our identity is not in the grades we get or the GPA we end up with, that our identity is in him alone. And so if that means sacrificing a letter grade on a test to remember that Christ is our identity, then I think that's way more worth the grade, if you ask me. And so that's just, just again, one example of how self-control can express itself outwardly. I'm going to look at one more, and it's, it's this idea of peace, the virtue of peace. This has actually been one that's been near and dear to, to my heart, to my wife's heart in this season. Um, we've been praying a lot for God's peace um, in us as we've been trying to um, get pregnant. I've shared this with you before. It's been hard. It's been really hard because we don't get it. And I mean, if you guys know us from early on, um, we weren't really trying to have Rebecca and here she is, and now we're trying, and nothing. And it's, it's, it's actually really hard. And so Jerry and I pray a lot for peace. Um, and we're kind of in the midst of it right now. We haven't fully kind of experienced the other side where we're just kind of sitting and soaking in God's peace, totally trusting him and everything. But we're getting there, and we can feel the progression taking place. And I think if it were to play itself all the way out, that Jerry and I could actually experience peace with one another, to be able to encourage one another on a regular basis. But more than that, Peace to be content. I think peace is so much more about trusting that God knows what we need and giving us just that. And right now where we're sitting, we have one another. We have a beautiful daughter. We have an amazing spiritual family surrounding us that we are so blessed and thankful for. And so I think peace would really be owning the reality that God's given us exactly what we need. This idea of contentment, of saying, God, what you give us is enough. And I think in our culture, I think this is a really hard one to sit with because we're inundated with TV, movies, music, everything that tells us we need more. We're inundated with neighbors that are always buying more. We're inundated with friends and everything else that have better clothes and hats and everything else that we always want more of. And so for me personally, it is hard to just say, God, I'm at peace with my situation. In fact, I'm so at peace that I can express that peace outwardly to others. And that's, that's actually the challenge that I'm in in this season. Um, and so think of me, when you think of me, pray for me in regards to peace, because that's a big one for me. But I wanted to share that because I think for all of us, we all have that one. If we, if we kind of go back through that list of fruits of the Spirit, we all have that one. Maybe a few, but we'll have that one that we really know God's trying to work in us. Um, and what does that look like? So we'll talk about that in just a moment. Let's just quickly review. Um, so first we've seen that it is faith in Christ alone that initiates our transformation, and that it's God's Spirit in us that's sustaining that ongoing transformation, and that the goal of this transformation is active love. It's that, that inward love expressed outwardly, because we are becoming more and more like Christ each day if we depend on the Spirit. Um, last night at youth group um, at the park, not impact, whoever said that earlier, if you guys were here early, um, Andy said impact. I don't know where that came from, but anyway, that's the old name of the youth group. Uh, at the park last night, I got to meet, I had the honor of meeting with a number of your youth. Um, we have uh, leaders in our youth group, high schoolers and junior hires. Um, junior leaders are the junior hires, and then student leaders are the high schoolers. And actually, believe it or not, there are 14 leaders all together this year for the park. And I'm really excited because there's a lot of really cool potential that's going to happen. Um, and, and, and I want to, and I said this to them last night, but I want to kind of, for those of you who, you're, you know, 
you're the parents of these kids I'm talking about, or for anyone else out here, I challenge them with something because, you know, being a leader, that's a cool thing, that's a cool experience, but um, I want them to see that it's not just about um, being a leader and being in charge. That's really not it. In fact, if we look at Jesus, it's completely the opposite. Um, it's about what's going on inside and, and humbling yourself and bringing yourself lower than everyone else. And, and what we did was we focused in on the fruits of the Spirit. And I want to do that now because what I did was I challenged each and every one of them to take a moment in silence and just look at one of the fruits that stands out to you the most. And I'll read through them in just a moment. Um, if you have your Bibles, you can, you can open up to it. But I want you to look at them. And I want, you, I want you, this is what I challenge with them, is I want you to pray and actually ask God. Don't just decide for yourself. Ask God, the Holy Spirit's inside of you. Ask him which one he wants you to focus in on. It's easy to want to take them all and just case, yeah, I'm just going to grow in everything. But the truth is, then we kind of lose our focus. We lose our vision. And, and, and rather, I want to see a focused pinpoint of where we're heading um, in this season of their lives. And so, kind of like we talked about in our second point, taking a verse, Galatians 5, 2 Corinthians 3.18, this is how it can work, is that we take that verse, we use that to meditate on, and then from that we enter into whatever that fruit is that God's calling us to, and say, okay God, how can we work on this one today? How, Spirit, what are you doing inside of me that I can partner with you on? That's the antithesis of the law, by the way. The law would not include the Holy Spirit at all. The law would say, okay, which one do I got to pull myself up by the bootstraps on? That's the law. And this is, no, this is giving into that and saying, no, I can't, I can't do this on my own. I need you. And so um, remember one last thing, and then we'll kind of just do a moment of just asking God which one it is for us. Remember one last thing that we've said already, that you've already been made righteous. It's easy to look at the fruits of the Spirit and easily judge yourself and say, I'm not there with any of them. I've fallen short on all accounts. Um, yes, you have. Yes, I have. Yes, we all have. Because we all are in need of a Savior. And that is the point of the cross, is he's taking us and redeeming us for God's glory. And so, remember that. Your identity is not in how many of these virtues you, you can get in. Your identity is in Christ. And that actually, these virtues and, and this fruit, this is, this is like added bonus. This is a cool experience. Being able to experience more and more of God's will and God's heart in us so that we can express it outward. And so just remember that as we sit with this, is, is if you feel a sense of judgment, of condemnation, of guilt, that I'm not there yet, um, you know that that's just, that's just not the truth of it. Um, so let's take a moment now and, um, and look at these, these verses. So I'll just open us up in a time of prayer. Heavenly Father, we, um, we, we know that you are in us. Um, for, for us who have accepted you, Jesus, you are in us, Holy Spirit, and working in us. And as we look at this um, list or hear this list read aloud, um, we know that, God, um, you're constantly doing something in us. Um, it's a matter of us opening to you. And so now, um, just take a moment to um, just invite God into your journey, first of all. So just um, say, God, I don't, I'm not sure where I've been recently. Maybe I've been real close to you. Maybe I've been far. But um, for right now in this moment, I just, I just want to be with you in this journey. Just, so just kind of open up to him for a moment.